welcome to episode 69 of Scar Bears. I'm Chris D.T. Gordon. As always, it is a blessing to have you here with me today. And Nate and Britton Barron are joining us. You may not see them, but they're there working their magic on this, on this production and all of my productions. If you wish to have them wave their techno technological wands on your different as our different tools and uh, treasures, you can reach out to them at Nate Barron. Well, folks, you know, I know thinking about school is tough when we're in the middle of the summer, but it's coming back. And with that, our kids, kids tend to fill schools. And along with those kids, they might bring troubles and issues that they need help solving. And while I hope none of them contract necrotizing fasciitis like I did, I definitely have something that can help them with their personal bacteria. So please reach out to me at linktr.ee forward slash Chris DT Gordon, or you can email me at Chris DT Gordon at gmail.com gmail so we can start a dialogue and maybe I can help them be able to overcome that personal bacteria and they can go for greatness. Well, folks, today I'm joined by a very special guest. Her name is Lisa McGrath. Lisa, how are you doing today in the upper Midwest, the Pacific Northwest, I believe? Yes, it's beautiful. I'm great, and I thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, Lisa, like many of our guests here on Scar Bears, you and I share the distinction of having a scar to bear. But you have actually been taken, been, been taken all over the world with your scar. And I'm excited to hear your story. Well, thank you. Yes, um, you know, it starts back when I was um, a young adult and I read a little blurb about an Indian proverb it was in Rumor Godden's book that said a house with four rooms, that everyone had to go in daily, their physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual rooms. And so here I've been doing this practice. And I thought, wow, I, I've got a great foundation. Well, then I shoot ahead to 2015 and I had bilateral pulmonary emboli, an emergency open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. Now, along with that came some other medical issues, but the scar that I wanna talk about is that zipper scar. And so when, they had, when I had my surgery and they split my chest in half, they cracked it open and they actually had to reach in and, and work with my heart and lungs. Well, after that surgery, I couldn't face myself in the mirror because I felt broken. Not only was I not physically able to do the things I was used to doing, keep in mind, I had already done the Camino de Santiago once, which is the 500 mile uh, trek ac across Northern Spain. Mm -hmm. And I was planning to go again and this obviously stopped me. So I'm now using a walker and I'm trying to rehabilitate myself, but I can't look in the mirror because of that scar. So emotionally, that physical scar is also scarring within. So now I'm having these difficulties. Well, I start to get stronger, even though during this, this recuperation, I have, like I said, complications and I lose the, the ability to use my right lung. So I now I only have my left lung and it's damaged, but it's working and it's keeping me alive. 
So I decide, okay, it's time. I have a calling to go back on this spiritual pilgrimage across Spain because I know I'm going to be praying for healing. And now when I speak of healing, it's not only my physical body, it's not only the lung, but it's what's going on in my mindset, my mind. Because you're still struggling with that scar. I'm struggling with that scar. So much so it's, it's difficult for me to even look at it myself. So, um, and I, I guess I thought of myself as being broken. I, I wasn't the same because that scar reminded me of my limitations. It was reminding me of what I no longer could do rather than letting me focus on what I already had and what I was still capable of until I was on this journey. And again, it was a little bit more difficult for me because you have to remember, we're talking about 500 miles across Spain and on foot, carrying a backpack with everything you're gonna need, let's say 30 days. Mm-hmm. My backpack was a little bit heavier than it was supposed to be. I will um, admit to taking a few extra items that I probably didn't need to carry. But what I did learn particularly in prayer, when I was praying in this little um, church, it was in Robinal, Spain. And in this little church, so many miracles have been known to happen. And I was praying for a miracle. I wanted to see this scar differently. I wanted my life back. So in that prayer, I go continue to walk. And the next day I get to a place called Cruz de Ferro. Now at Cruz de Ferro, the tradition is you carry a stone from home, which represents the burdens you're carrying. So I had my stone and I, truth be told, I wrote all over my stone because I thought I had a lot of burdens at that time. And so I had a lot of burdens written on my stone. And I went to Robinal after Robinal and I continued walking and I get to Cruz de Ferro and Cruz de Ferro means this tall, um, metal cross, okay, the iron cross. And I climb up this this hill of rocks from all over the world. And I place my rock and I say, God, I don't wanna carry this burden, help, I'm gonna release it. And as I continued my walk, one of the uh, young guy that I had met, he was from Italy, we began talking and we were sharing what burdens we had released. And I told him about my burden and he mentioned to me and he kept saying, we had these, we would have these philosophical discussions, but he said, you're you're beautiful. God created you. You're beautiful. God created and in Italy. If you've been in Spain and France, it's beautiful country. And here we are looking around and said, this is beautiful. And this is what God created. We split our ways and I continue to walk on my path. And I'm still praying and I'm still thinking and reflecting, reflecting about this. And then I realized it was like an aha moment with the, the gold. There were sunflowers everywhere, but the gold, the way the light was hitting, the golden light, I realized that this scar was filled with gold, just like the Japanese form of kintsuchi, which is the taking the pottery, the ceramic. And when it has a crack, people think, oh, we got, it's no good anymore. We have to throw it away. Well, that's how I was thinking about my life. Mm. It's no good anymore, right? It's broken. But now with this pottery filled with this, this gold, this precious metal, it's even more valuable because now it's stronger. Now, have you ever 
I'm, I'm assuming you've heard of that Japanese practice before this moment, but it was when you saw that golden light reflected that you made the connection. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. So that golden light of just going across that field of sunflowers, and you know that how the sunflowers turn to the sun, mm -hmm. right? Yep. As they go. So it was just a magical moment. And at that moment, I realized that I was perfect the way I was, which was the same message I had heard in the church, which was the same message that that young Italian and I were talking about that everyone is perfect the way they are. Mm -hmm. And so that became a healing, not only my physical sense, but for my mindset and how I saw myself and my perspective. Mm -hmm. And just that little paradigm, it was a paradigm shift really. Yeah. It made all the difference because now I could go back to my regular practices and my gratitude practice and realize I have so much to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. I have so much to give. But the thing that I didn't tell you, one of my prayers to God the night before my emergency surgery was that if I survived, I'd make my mess my message. And now I am talking about things that I never thought I would ever talk about, mm -hmm. including bearing this scar. So I really became a warrior. I became the voice because everyone has a story, mm -hmm. but I became a voice to tell others that we all have scars that we bear. And if we keep picking at them, they're going to bleed. And if, and when we're within our story, we pick at it, it bleeds. But when we, we allow it to heal, we go, we're on our story. And when we're on our story, we have the ability to share that story with others. And if they're open to hearing and to healing, they can take that same message and they can heal their, and heal their wounds and allow them to be scars. I agree to, uh, totally. You know, I've heard that phrase before, make your mess your message. And, you know, so many people follow that adage. And it's true because none of us is perfect we all have scars either physical emotional mental and by realizing how to embrace them for frankly the gifts that they are we can help others do the same i, I like to say that scars are tattoos for tough people oh yes so. that's very true that's very true yes and so so now kind of go a little bit further into the timeline, I decided I'm an achievement coach and I help others achieve their goals. And I have been achieving all of my life over obstacles and hills and whatever. But there was a goal that I wanted to accomplish that when I was in high school, my favorite English teacher told me I had lofty dreams that I should just get married and have children. It was what he told me. Mm. And so I wanted to be an author. So I put that dream on the shelf and I became a teacher and I became a writing teacher. So I've been teaching for over 25 years. Well, I took that dream off the shelf because I realized as I'm telling everyone else and I'm, I'm helping them to achieve their goals that I, I needed to do mine too. 
Yes. So I took that dream off the shelf and I dusted it off. And that philosophy that I've been following for all of these years, that little, little thing that I read about a house with four rooms, I now wrote a book about it. And I teach others to daily to go into each one of those rooms, that physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual room, so that you can have a strong foundation. So when something does come along that you need to cope and face, you have that foundation. And what I love about the, the proverb, it says we have to go into each one of those rooms daily and be careful not to spend too much time in one room over another, because some of us get stuck in that, in that um, emotional room or we're depressed or whatever. We need to go into each room and it says you don't have to spend a lot of time, but you need to go in each, every day to open a window to mm -hmm. air it out. So when we were talking earlier, so you just did your 5K, yes. but you're working up, you're working up and you're working up to do a bigger goal of, of a whole marathon. Each day that you go for that little run or do whatever it is that you're doing right now is opening that window to air it out in your physical room. And, the, and the, what's really magical is when you're out there running and it's for your physical room, don't you find it helps you with your emotional room and your mental room and your spiritual room too? Oh, yes. Yeah. Running is much more than mere exercise for me. It is, it is definitely a cleanser. It, it, it's, an emo, you know, it's an emotional and a mental, uh, you know, jumpstart to help me, Good. you know, as um, my listeners know, I talk about the attitude of gratitude tag. And so it's a way for me to show gratitude for all, all the gifts that I've been bestowed, you know, that have been bestowed upon me. And it's a way for me to prepare myself for the day because I'm one of those annoying morning people. And mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, I, and I definitely resonate with that philosophy of the four rooms because I, I just imagine someone spending too much time in one room and then the, you know, one of those other rooms is just cluttered you know, like the show Hoarders. Yeah. And you have to spend a lot more time organizing that room at some point. That's right. So so my my whole life, I talk about going into each one of those rooms. And it doesn't have to take a long time. So for me, um, with my physical room, it could be monitoring my water intake, because that's really important, or my exercise or my diet, any of those things. But it's also my physical space, right? For my mental room, for me, I'm a learner. I believe we're all teachers and learners at the same time and that we need to continue. So reading, writing, good conversations back and forth. That's important to me. That's going to help my intellectual, my mental space. But it's also weeding that garden, getting those uh, weeds out because that, that negative uh, self-talk or the naysayer or the judgment, we don't need that. We need to release it. And then we can move into that emotional room. For there, we need that coping skills. Um, I don't know about you, but it used to be, for me, um, things would get my goat, whether it be someone driving in traffic or I'm at the grocery store and I'm going to the fast checkout and someone has more items than is allowed and I, my blood pressure would go up. Oh, that's, that's, uh, that's a sin right there. Yeah, so we can just calm down and I use my breathing exercises. And because I'm used to going into my emotional room and getting those coping skills, I now cope a lot better than I used to. Mm -hmm. 
And then from my spiritual room, my spiritual room is all about uh, my readings, my prayer practice, my meditation. But it's also like we talked about gratitude. I have my clients do um, a gratitude journal. And every night before you go to bed, you have to list at least five things that you're grateful for. That helps us because I have clients that don't want to get out of bed in the morning. And I tell them, no, you have to, because you're to find those five things that you're grateful for. And that helps them get out of bed so they can start their day, get out there and find those five things. And oftentimes, once you start, you just go ahead and you continue on. It's just like if, if you didn't want to run today, but if you put on the running clothes and you tie your shoes, chances are you'd at least go out there and start. And you once you well. start, might as well. And once you start, you might as well keep keep doing the, the process. And so that's what it's about. Again, it's well, that's another Japanese thing, Kaizen, practicing those small incremental steps to help you move forward mm-hmm. because that's what you want. You want to move forward towards your goals. Yes. And so, you know, I, I love all this that you're telling me, Lisa, because it is, it seems like it's profound, but yet it's so, I don't want to say simplistic, but it's so simple to work into your daily schedule, you know, in your daily practice. And so uh, I have a question for you, uh, you know, t- speaking about that 5k I ran, I felt myself downplaying my performance. I was thinking of, well, so-and-so wasn't here. He would have beat me if he were here or the college kids had gone home. So if they had shown up, I probably wouldn't have won. Do you ever find yourself downplaying your own successes based on the thoughts that someone else might be having about what you did, what you had accomplished? Good question. So you're not in competition with anyone else. You're only in competition with yourself. Mm -hmm. Your goal is to go out there and run and make a better time, because I'm assuming you're going after time and distance. So your, your goal is to beat the time you did yesterday. Don't worry about the guy in front of you, behind you. Focus on you. Because it's just like when we're flying and they say, oh, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do is you need to make yourself a priority. So don't get in competition with everyone else because that's none of your business. Mm-hmm. Your business is to worry about you. So tie your shoes, you know, get on that running clothes, figure out what time you want to do because you want to visualize it and, and really um, set a, a goal and an intention and then get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And then you know that when you, when you did your job and you were better than yesterday, it doesn't matter if those kids showed up yesterday, today or not. You did better than what you planned or what you were yesterday. That's and right. so tomorrow you're going to be even better. That sounds like good advice. And so I, I don't think I realized, I don't think I revealed this. I am also a teacher. I teach middle school special education for an online school. And so what level do you teach? I've taught all levels. Um, I started working at a college and I taught in the humanities for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And then I taught high school for 25 years. What, so, what, what level do you feel you, uh, you resonate or you connect best with the students? Well, that's a good question. I thought I was going to tell you, I was going to say college because that's what I, I, I enjoyed. However, um, I enjoy them all. But I'm going to tell you, when I was in the college, it's my experience, they sent me to a federal prison. 
because our federal prison inmates get to go to school and get their degrees, their college degrees. And so I would go in and I taught humanities and writing and, and art classes and business classes. And one day I was saying goodbye to one of the inmates. He was leaving the prison to go to a halfway house. And he'd always been very respectful, but I was seated and he was standing. So he's you know, looking down at me. So it's a little intimidating. Plus remember you are in a prison and yeah. I'm a woman. And he puts his finger in my face and he says, you know, Ms. McGrath, if you would put your, you have to put your money where your mouth is. And I was taken aback. And he says, you keep saying that we can make a difference in the world, even given our circumstances, that it's our mindset and, and it's the things we do and things we say, and that our actions speak louder than our words. He said, if I had had a teacher like you when I was in high school, I wouldn't have ended up in a place like this. Mm, wow. Four or five other guys said the same thing and they dared me to go into a high school. So I took them up on the dare. I took a sabbatical from the college. I called the high school and I was kind of naive because I didn't realize parents didn't go into the high school to volunteer or to schools to, to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And I volunteered for one semester and they took me up on it right away when I offered to volunteer. And when I was done, I said, if you ever have, um, I, well, I said, oh, this was a terrible experience. And I ended up going back to the college and that first night in the, the, um, in the classroom with my inmates, I told them, you guys were so wrong. I didn't help anyone. I didn't make a difference that whole semester. And I started telling them about why I was almost late. As I was leaving that night, that same night to go to the prison. So it's about a month and a half, two months later from that experience of working at the high school. The phone had rung and my secretary said, you have a phone call. And I'm thinking, I have to go, but I have kids. So, you know, it might be an emergency. I got to take the call. So I take the call and I wasn't really listening. I was going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was some man and I needed to get off the phone to get to work. Yeah. I hung up, I run to the prison I get to the prison. And I said, I was almost late because I can't even get away from that experience. Do you know that just before I came here tonight, this man calls me and he's telling me, oh, you, you helped my son and because of you, blah, blah, blah. And then as I'm telling them this story, I realized that was a thank you. Because in those days you had to look up the phone number. Yes. You had to go yes. through the switchboard. He had to go to the secretary to get to me. And it had been a month and a half to two months later. So he was actually really calling to say thank you. But I wasn't listening to that, okay. right? until I said it to those guys. So after that experience, and I realized I did make a difference, I called that principal and said, if you ever have a paying position, I would be happy to come work for you. Well, it wasn't too long, the phone rang and he said, "Miss McGrath, were you serious? Would you come and work for me? And I said, sure, what, do you, what is it you want? Um, because I teach you know, English and art at the college. And he said, I need an English teacher. I need a writing teacher. And he goes, but there's one thing, you're gonna to have to get certified to be a teacher because just having a master's degree doesn't cut it at the um, school, public school. So you'll have to go back. So I had to go get an, an uh, education degree and yep. get certified so that I could teach in the school, but I did that. And, and then I taught for 25 years because I realized- I'm sorry. Oh, this was in North Carolina. Okay. And yeah, and so, um, and so I taught, and. I realized that our fingerprints go far. Those kids might not remember your name, 
but they will remember how you made them feel. Hmm. And that was a valuable lesson because when people listen and they take the time to really listen, even to our little people, middle school, high school, they listen to human beings. We make a difference. Yes. Yes, I was uh, reminded of that actually a week and a half ago. My son and I were playing tennis at, uh, at a nearby park. And this young woman is walking by with her dog. And she, uh, we, I waved hi because I'm a friendly guy. And she came back the other way. And then she kind of cocks her head and says, Mr. Gordon. And I said, hey, it's you. And, uh, and I knew her name. And, it, and it had, I had taught her in first grade. And, it was, and, I, and I was only in that school for a year. But, you know, like you said, we had made a connection and it was fun to chat with her. And now she's a professional, you know, working in uh, an auditory services position. And so, yeah, you are totally correct that, you know, teachers do make a difference. They do leave those fingerprints everywhere. And Absolutely. So make sure you, you press in the most positive way you can. Yeah. And, and we have that, we all have that ability. It's, do you want to step up and take that responsibility? Because mm -hmm. teaching is a responsibility. Yes. Parenting is a responsibility. Yes. Being an adult is a responsibility. So it, we have to step up and take that responsibility. Yes, yes, indeed. So how are you taking this responsibility nowadays, Lisa? So now, um, not only am I writing my own books, like I said, but I also help entrepreneurs coaches and aspiring authors get published. I have um, an anthology, an international best-selling anthology. It's Pages with Purpose. And I teach a writing, publishing, and marketing course. And each of the participants, they submit their chapter of why. Why do they do what they do? And we put that into um, the book because again, personal stories are, can be used for professional purposes. And I think when we really tend to listen, we learn that we have more in common than what separates us. Yes. And so we have the power to inspire others. We have the power to encourage. We have the power to make our mess our message. That if I can do it, anyone can do it. It's That's just that. a matter of yeah, it's just a matter of, of making the decision. that I, I make the decision I'm going to be happy. I make the decision that I'm successful. I make the decision that I'm grateful. I make the decision that I can help others. You know, what you just said, it reminds me so much of what Darren Hardy says. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Darren Hardy. He's an author yeah. of The Compound Effect and the entre entrepreneurial roller coaster, he says that once you, and this is from uh, Jim Rohn, I believe, he, he yeah. says this, that once you take total responsibility of your actions and your reactions, that you now have total freedom. You now have total power over what you do. And so yeah. I, I think that what you just said is incredibly powerful. And so definitely, Lisa, thank you. And so where can people reach out to you if they would like to, you know, receive some coaching or some teaching from you? So I'm located on social media at Coach Lisa McGrath. Um, I also have a website. It's www.lisamcgrath.me. 
And if anyone is interested in, in exploring publishing, writing a book, or even my course to get in the anthology, that's at pageswithpurpose.org. Fantastic. And so one more question, Lisa. Actually, actually, two more questions. First of all, if someone were to take away one piece of insight, one piece of inspiration from you today, what would that be? If they were to take away one thing, I'd want them to walk away with the fact to know that they are enough that they they are enough so you're 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 just you're beautiful the way you are you make an intention and a, a choice to be who you are so make those decisions in a wise way that is yes yes thank you so much for saying that and now my last question what is your favorite dinosaur so I I said to you that my famous the dinosaur was the um oh was it the tetrasaurus rex with the three horns is that the one triceratops triceratops with three horns and it, because it has like a ruff around its neck and so in ancient uh it, well not ancient but uh in the uh artwork the rough when you think of the rough all the rich people and and all of these wonderful classic people had this rough around their neck so i think of that um rough and that um is regal yes it is quite elizabethan yeah when you think so, of it, i never i never considered that so thank you for bringing that to my mind it's <laughs> funny i could just see uh old triceratops prancing around with uh the ghost white makeup on his on its face and just yes. being very haughty and very and very royal as it yes, uh, walks cool. through the Cretaceous. Yes. So yep. kingly. Exactly. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me, Lisa. I greatly appreciate your story and your mess that has turned into your message. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And I hope we help someone. Definitely. And folks, so remember what Lisa has told us that your mess is your message. Be thankful for everything has come into your life because it's there's a purpose to it. Make sure also to acknowledge those who have helped you along the way. And finally, give back. Your mess, again, is your message and it could inspire, motivate, and benefit someone else. So please remember to share it with as many people as you can. Speaking of sharing, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and this YouTube channel, rate, review, like, hopefully, my episodes. And again, if you feel that my message of the attitude of gratitude can benefit your students this year or years to come, please reach out to me at linktr.ee forward slash Gordon or you can email me at chrisdtgordon.com. Thank you so much for joining me. Please have a great day. Remember to pass on perfection and go for greatness. Greatness.